The Productive Woman, Episode 182. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast dedicated to productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, we're continuing our recurring productive reading series, this time talking about the key lessons I've learned from Courtney Carver's newest book, Soulful Simplicity. You'll find more information and links in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 182. Before we get started, I want to mention real quick that there will be new Productive Woman Mastermind groups starting up in April. I've had a great time with the women in the groups that have met uh, since the beginning of the year, and uh, we're winding down those sessions, but it's really been inspiring to me to see the relationships being formed, see the way the women encourage each other, give each other ideas and support, and hold each other accountable to take action on the goals that each of them has set. If you'd like to be a part of a small group like that, check out the information that you'll find at theproductivewoman.com slash mastermind. That's where you'll find information about the groups and the link for the short online application. I'd love to have you apply. If you're a woman who listens to this podcast, you are invited to apply and see if it's a good fit for you. If you have questions, feel free to send me an email at feedback at theproductivewoman.com and I'll be happy to answer your questions. I also want to say thank you very quick to the sponsors of this episode, Fresh Books, and a new sponsor, Making Light Candles. Our longtime sponsor, Fresh Books, is offering that 30-day unrestricted free trial to the Productive Woman listeners. And to claim that, you just go to freshbooks.com slash woman and enter the Productive Woman in their How Did You Hear About Us section on the uh, order. But right now, I'd like to say a special welcome to a very new sponsor that I'm very excited about, and that's Making Light Candles. You've heard me talk about them before in previous episodes when I've talked about some of my favorite things, things I'm really thankful for and and enjoying. And Making Light Candles is one of those things that has become a fixture in my morning routine. Making Light Candles is basically a subscription service that brings two full-sized candles to me each month in a neat little box, along with a tea light candle that previews a scent for the next month and a neat little box of matches. And they're offering a special discount to the Productive Woman listeners who use the promo code TPW10 when you order at makinglight.com. One of the things I really like about making light candles, I mean, and there's a ton of things I like about them. I really do love these things, but you can personalize your subscription. When you subscribe, they ask you some questions about the kinds of scents you like so that they can customize your box of candles for you each month. And so you get these candles and the idea is to use them as part of your routine, your ritual, you know, those things that we've talked about in past episodes that help us to be more productive by creating those routines and those rituals that get us in the right frame of mind to do the things that we need to do. And these candles can be a part of that uh, to help you create the time and space for something that really matters to you, whether it's a creative project, maybe you're a writer uh, or your prayer and meditation time. Maybe it's just when you sit down to work, the uh, the uh, the lighting of this candle is kind of the the send off or the the signal to your mind and to your body that okay this is the time we do this thing whatever it is you're using it for so it helps you to create a daily ritual to focus on your very best work Uh, The idea is that you set aside some distraction-free time, you turn off your notifications, and you let that physical act of lighting the candle and the, the flame and the scent of it be a reminder to you to stay in the zone for doing your creative work, your meditation, your studying, if you're a student, whatever you want to use it for. And everything you need uh, is in the box for about 22-hour sessions. They burn, these candles burn for a long time, easily enough to last you for a month. As I said, there's two full-size candles, a monthly featured fragrance, and then a second one from your customized favorite list, 
plus that sample. And they always put uh, encouraging little notes into the box, things like that. So it's it's always fun to get the package and see what's going to be in there. They make a great gift, whether to yourself or to to someone else who might enjoy having this candle. And I encourage you to check it out. I really do love these things. Visit makinglight.com. Check out the the short little two-minute video there that features how some users enjoy the candles. And when you order, let them know the Productive Woman sent you. Use the promo code TPW10, that's TPW, like the Productive Woman and the number 10, for $10 off any subscription. So hope you enjoy them. Let me know what you think. Okay, let's get into this week's episode. We are continuing our Productive Reading Recurring Series. Back in episode 133, we talked about lessons learned from Gary Keller's The One Thing. In episode 147, we talked about The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. In episode 166, we talked about three of the books written by Brene Brown. This time, I'm sharing some of my most uh, important takeaways from Soulful Simplicity by Courtney Carver. You might remember Courtney, if you've been listening for a while, she was my guest on episode 169 late last year in 2017, and that was before Soulful Simplicity had released. I learned about the book from her, and I pre-ordered the book right after I interviewed her. And I read a chapter then each morning during my morning quiet routine. Part of what I do is to read a chapter or so from a book that's uplifting or encouraging or inspiring. And I got to say, this is one of the best books that I have read recently. I rank it right up there with Essentialism and The One Thing as among the impactful books that I will continue to reread periodically. You can learn more about Courtney and and what she does uh, in the show notes for episode 169 or on her website, which is bemorewithless.com. So I really did enjoy this book. I found it inspiring, but also very practical. Each chapter ends with action steps, things you can do to put into practice the ideas that she discusses in the chapter. And so I just want to share some of the passages from the book, some of the the key points, I guess, that I took away from what I read there. And the first one, maybe the most important one, is just the importance of being who you are. And there are a number of things she said that really caught my attention and stuck with me. She made the point early on in the book that not being yourself is exhausting and breaks you down from the inside out. And she says, it's in that place where we are who our hearts want us to be, that we can be all the way alive. And I I really loved that. She also says, I believe it's our right and responsibility to remember who we are and to show up in the world as that person. That's one of those things that, you know, I read it and I kind of put, put the book in my lap and I thought, yeah, that's right. We we owe it not just to ourselves, but to the world. We can't make the contribution that we're meant to make or that we're able to make unless we show up as who we are. And so, as she puts it, it's our right and our responsibility to remember who we are and to show up in the world as that person. She also says, getting rid of everything that doesn't matter allows you to remember who you are. Simplicity doesn't change who you are. It brings you back to who you are. And I really, um, I really love that. That's a theme throughout the book. The book is called Soulful Simplicity. And, and as we discussed in the episode when Courtney was my guest, she's kind of known for that, um, you know, intentional simplicity, kind of voluntary simplicity uh, is is a phrase that was applied to her in one of the articles I read leading up to the time that I interviewed her. So she's known for that, and she's known for her Project 333, which I'll talk about in a minute, and, and some of those other kinds of things. But it's all about, as she puts it in the book, that getting rid of the things that don't matter, whether it's stuff or commitments or any of those kinds of things, gives us that time and space to remember who we are. And it's so important that we do that. One of the sections I really liked kind of came early on in the book where she was talking about some of the lessons that she's learned from uh, from when she took up the practice of yoga. 
And she called, so there are some lessons from the yoga mat uh, early on in the book that she talks about that I think are really mindset things that I thought were really significant. And one of them is my thoughts limit my actions. And she talks about how that applies in her yoga practice and in, in a a yoga class, I guess, that she took, but also how it applies to us in life. At one point she says, we dismiss opportunities every day by telling ourselves we can't do it. We give in to fear. And she says, and I think this is good, it's good to think things through, but trust yourself to try new things too. Again, true in yoga, true in life, that our thoughts limit our actions. We think we can't, so we don't try. And uh, it's, it's an important thing to consider how our thoughts might be limiting what we're willing to do and what we accomplish because we're willing to try. The second thing she talks about in the lessons from the mat is the idea that I can't do everything today. We have a finite amount of energy and attention and and time and all of those things, and we can't do everything. And uh, one of the things she said that I thought was so valuable was, and, and so true, our days are full of options and opportunity. We don't have to do it all. We can't do it all. We are better for it when we don't try to do it all. That's another one of those things that I, you know, I underlined it and I just thought, man, I really need to remember that. I really need to, to, uh, absorb that and internalize it. Another thought in the lessons from the yoga mat section, uh, are, was, she says, we all need permission to exhale. And again, she's talking about it in the yoga context, but thinking about it also in life in general, that there are times where we need to just take a breath and exhale and just relax and be. She talks about also in that section how action kills fear, that sometimes we just need to to take action, even though we're afraid. And once we get going, the fear becomes less of an issue. And I agree so much with that. And I loved uh, the lesson that she talked about in this section where she says, keep your eyes on your own mat. There is no benefit in comparison in yoga or in life. And oh my goodness, that is so true. How many times do we kind of wreck ourselves because we're comparing what we're doing or how we're thinking or how we're feeling or how we look or any number of things with other people. And there is simply no benefit in that. So those were just some of the things she talked about in that section uh, that she, you know, I don't, I don't do yoga. My body, uh, I was born with congenital hip dysplasia and had surgery and stuff as a, a young kid. And, and so I literally can't do the yoga poses. I've always thought it looked like such a, a, a great way to, to get some exercise, but also to relax and sort of learn some discipline. And here she talks about some of those lessons that how they, that she's learned from her yoga practice and translated them into real life or real life into the rest of life. And I thought that was, those were really good. She also talked a little bit about the importance of discipline. And this is kind of in another section of the book, another one of those thought provoking sections where she says in one place, you have to do things you don't want to do so you can do things you want to do and have the kind of life you really want. Some of the examples she gives when she's talking about this is things like eating greens and other real food or walking or getting enough sleep, that we have to do those things that maybe we don't want to do in order to do the things that we would want to do in order to have that kind of life we want. She says, what I want more than anything is to feel good enough to fully engage in the best parts of life. And I just thought, yeah, amen. That's exactly what I want. And so do I love getting on the trip? treadmill? Um, no, <laughs> that's one of those things that I like having done more than I like actually doing, but I do it because it's a necessary component to having the kind of life I want to have, uh, that includes feeling good enough to be, as she puts it, fully engaged in the best parts of life. 
she she gives us some real good thoughts in the book about making time to make those healthy choices and we often be, let ourselves get so busy that we we kind of think we don't have time to do the healthy things that we need to do she says when when you live in a reactive state making healthy choices can seem impossible you can almost convince yourself that busyness and chaos aren't a choice that you didn't create them but the truth is we do create them the life we have this is me talking not her this uh, but the life we have the life i have today is the result of choices i've made so if i don't like it if I don't like the life I have, or if there's some element of my life I don't like, I have to look at the choices I made that got me here and make different choices to take me where I want to go. And the, the same is true for you. And that's what she's saying here. We can, we can get so full of busyness that we're just reacting all the time and that we're not thinking intentionally and we're not taking the time to really be thoughtful about what we're doing with our time and our bodies and, and all of those things. But the truth is that was our choice. We put ourselves in that position. And I, you know, I encourage you to think about that. She says, so what do you do when you're too busy to choose? You still choose because not choosing is a choice. And that's so true. When we don't choose, we have, we have chosen. Uh, so, uh, I encourage you to think about that. What are some things that you need to do in order to have the life you want to have? Things that maybe you don't enjoy, things you don't necessarily want to do, but that are necessary components uh, to get you where you want to go and make those choices intentionally. Of course, a lot of the book, Soulful Simplicity, talks about simplifying, downsizing, decluttering, all of those sorts of things. But she really talks about it from a, hmm, philosophical is not the right word, uh, but just a more thoughtful kind of why does it matter? And she talks a lot about the value of letting go of just the stuff in our lives, the the belongings that we have. In, in her family's case, they, as part of their journey, and she talks a lot about her journey when she was diagnosed with her chronic illness and that the, she started on this journey as a way to reduce the stress that would exacerbate her illness's symptoms. And it led her, she didn't start out to simplify. She just started out find, trying to find ways to reduce the stress in her life. And it has led her on the, this journey that she kind of spells out throughout the course of the book in a way that I just, I really appreciated her transparency and her positivity that she, she shared what she experienced, both the good and the bad, where she came from and where she's, where she is now and how she got there. And that's one of the things I really appreciated about the book. Uh, but this particular section of the book was a really inspiring and thought provoking section for me. My house is generally pretty clean and tidy, but we have a lot of storage. We've been married a long time and we have five kids. So we have a lot of stuff and so many things have sentimental value to me. And she talks in the book about how you deal with that and about learning to let go of the mementos but keep the memories. And there's a whole process she talks about in the book that, um, you know, kind of taking a victory lap with those special items before you let them go and send them out into the world. And she says, the, and I'm quoting here, the process of letting go will be much easier when you take the time to understand why you own what you own and how it got there in the first place. She goes on to say, we buy and hold on to things for many reasons, but usually it's because we want to be someone we're not, feel something we don't, or prove we are something we don't think we are to someone else. Wow. Um, I wonder if that as impactful to you as it is to me. I'm, I want to read that again, that last part. We buy and hold on to things for many reasons, but usually it's because we want to be someone we are not, feel something we don't, or prove we are something we don't think we are to someone else. 
just think about that for a minute. What are the things you have that you've bought that if you dig kind of deep behind the surface reason you got it, why you have it, why you keep it, uh, is it one of those things? Is it that you, it suits the image that you want to have or it you bought it because you thought it would make you feel a certain way or that you are trying to, as she says, prove we are something we don't think we are to someone else. She talks about aspirational ownership, which she says is buying things for the person you want to be or the lifestyle you wish you had. That's kind of an ouch, you know? How many things do we pick up uh, because they suit that image of, of who we'd like to be? And we hang on to them because, you know, and it might be something like, you know, I I try to think of examples, but it might be, you know, the fancy china that you never use, but you feel like you need to display it because it shows, it suits the sort of, um, I don't know, elegant image that you, you like, you want to have, or, or that elegance that you would like to feel. I don't know. That's just one example. Uh, because she's really into really thinking about what do you own? Do you need this? Do you use it? Do you love it? If not, why do you keep it? Uh, And there's that aspirational ownership. And I think there's an element uh, to that in some of the things that I have hung on to for a long time. But I think it's more than that for me anyway. As I was reading those chapters, I thought about that question. Why do I have the stuff? Why do I keep things I don't use? And for me, I'm, you know, just being honest here, uh, as I thought about it, I thought, you know, it goes way back to um, the way I grew up and even the early years of our marriage. And we were, you know, we were happy. We were, but we had very little money very little. And growing up, my parents, we always had food on the table and a roof over our heads, but we didn't have a lot of stuff. You know, we didn't, we, we, I didn't have a lot of clothes. I didn't get to do a lot of things because we just didn't have the money. And when, in our early years, Mike and I didn't have a lot of money either. We had other good things in our life, but not a lot of money. And I, I think so many years of of not having things and having to scrimp and save to get any little thing that even though that's years in the past and we are blessed and fortunate to, to be in a better financial situation now, I think I hang on to things. I've realized that I hang on to things that I don't use out of this sort of background fear of lack or of need of well, what if I what if I need it and I don't have it? What if what if all the money's gone and and I wish I had this thing? So I hang on to things that I haven't used for years, just in case I might need them someday. And I've realized that the truth is, if I need them, I could buy or or you know, if money was tight, I could borrow another one. And it's really helping me to think about that and some of the things that Courtney says in the book to start to let go of those things. And she says that uh, something else that's really important, why it's valuable to get rid of this stuff. The, she says, the only truth of ownership is that when you own something, it owns you too. It's yours to take care of and pay for in every way, every day. I mean, the truth is that, and this is me talking, not her, too much stuff weighs us down. It costs us time and opportunities, the time to take care of it, the time to get it repaired, the time to move it around, the mental weight of having our space full of stuff we don't use. For me, realizing that, you know, I'm married to a man who, who'd like to, you know, we don't think our adventures are done and, and we have so much stuff that I couldn't quickly up and go if there was an opportunity to go on an, an adventure with Mike. And that's a motivation to me to start looking at this stuff and letting go of it and sending it out into the world to, you know, to someone who might be able to use it and enjoy it. So in the section where she, she's talking about letting go of stuff, she gives a a real kind of a very practical approach to decluttering. And, And it starts with 
you know, take a big box, carry a big box around your house and just put, put in stuff, go through each room, just kind of walk around as you see things that you don't use and you don't care about, just take those and put them in the box. And then when it's full, tape it up and donate it. So you're just doing the easy stuff, just things you look at and you think, I don't even know why I have that. I've never liked it. Don't want it. Don't use it. I can let that go without a second thought. And we all have that stuff in our house. Unless you've already gone through this process, you have that stuff. I know I do. And so that's kind of the first step to start developing what she calls her your decluttering muscle. And you do that a few times. And as the more you do it, the stronger your decluttering muscle gets as you get that reward of seeing your space start to open up and free up. And then you can start to turn to the things that are a little harder to get rid of because you keep them for sentimental reasons. And one of her suggestions there is to, if, you know, if there's something that you're ready, you you you're hanging on to just for sentimental reasons it was you know your great grandmother's and you really love, loved her and or whatever try putting it hiding it put it out of sight for a while and see if you miss it and then if you don't then you can let it go she really talks about letting go of the guilt of letting go and that's uh, i think what keeps us um i don't know buried in clutter a lot of the time. Maybe not, you know, we're not, if you may not be a hoarder, but we've got more stuff than we need, stuff that we don't use, stuff that just takes up space in our house and our heart and our mind. And um, why we do that is sometimes that we feel guilty. You know, we either, it's because someone gave it to us and we feel bad about giving it away or we bought it and we've never used it and we feel guilty about that. And so it's like, I got to keep it because maybe someday I'll use it and recoup my cost. I think of a particular jacket that's hanging in my closet that's been there and no lie, y'all, 10 years and I it still has the tags on it. I've never worn it and I'm never going to wear it. And so I've moved it over to a rack that I'm going to donate. Uh, finally, but I, it, it hung there. And every time I'd look at it, I think I'd feel guilty because I spent the money to buy it, never wore it. And I thought I got to, I, I just, I need to wear that thing. And so I got to keep it until I wear it, but no, I'm going to give it, give it away to someone who can enjoy it and appreciate it. And, and again, she talks about letting go of the guilt of letting go. She says, you have a limited amount of space and time in your life. And if you fill it all with guilt and regret, there won't be room for all of the love. Remind yourself that you simply don't have room in your life for guilt. Wow. Thank you, Courtney. I think we all need to hear that. She talks about her Project 333 and the way that is discussed. You can go to her website to learn more about the specifics. And we talked about it a little bit on episode 169 when she was my guest. But this is the the idea where you, for three months, you, 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 you choose 33 items of clothing and, and that's your wardrobe for three months and you put everything away and, and see how you can simplify your wardrobe. And she talks a little bit in the book about the lessons that she learned from that project. And the, the, some of the lessons are, she says, I need way less than I think to be happy. So that's one lesson. Lesson number two is no one cares what I'm wearing. And you know, that's true. Nobody cares. Um, unless I, I guess if you're a model and you're, you know, you're wearing a designer's clothes for that designer, but for the most part, nobody's paying attention to what you wear during the day. Uh, number three, the third lesson she talks about is that deciding what to wear requires mental energy better spent on other things. And it certainly does take a lot of mental energy. She says, a simple closet is the gateway to a simple life. And then she goes on to say, simplicity in the closet seeps into every other area of your home and life. So, Maybe that's a place to start for all of us that, you know, if your life feels out of control, maybe just you can't overhaul your life, but maybe you could do a little work on your closet and simplify things there, pare that down to the things that you actually wear every day and, and enjoy that you f feel good in, let everything else go and see how that kind of rolls into the rest of your life. 
she said something else because she talked about how she used to shop a lot. And um, if this is you, I don't shop for clothes so much, but I, you know, I, I do like to buy office supplies and organizational tools and stuff like that. Uh, but anyway, she used to shop for clothes and she, she talked about the reasoning behind that and the thinking behind that. And I'd love to know what you think about this. If this is something that resonates with you, that, you know, she was always looking for that item of clothing that would really just make her feel special for an event or for her day or whatever, change how she felt about herself. And she says, here's one of the lessons she's learned. You will never find something that makes you feel beautiful, smart, or loved until you believe you already are. I'm going to read that one again, because I just think, I think that's so significant. You will never find something that makes you feel beautiful, smart, or loved until you believe you already are. That reminds me of, you know, when I read it and every time I read it, it reminds me of something Brooke Castillo has said on one of her podcast episodes. No one will ever love you enough to overcome the fact that you don't love yourself. So buying stuff to make yourself feel better or, or it's never going to work. The work's got to start on the inside and buying stuff is not going to fix that. Um, she talks about in the book, the value of downsizing. And there's a lot of stuff she has to say there. Uh, clutter, you know, clutter attracts clutter. Less is not nothing. You don't have to give up everything. But on the other hand, she says, you don't have to fill up all the space. I have a ton of storage here and right now it's all full. My goal is to have some cupboards and shelves that are empty. And that's, that's what I'm working toward little by little. Uh, she says, when you need to buy things for your things, it's time for fewer things. I'll just leave that there for you to consider. For her family, she says, and I'm quoting here, living with less has given us the time and space to appreciate all of the things that make a house a home. We finally realize that our home is not a container for our stuff. Instead, it is a place for love and connection. And think about the difference there that, you know, our home is not just a place to put all our stuff. It's a place for us to come together with those we love and connect with them. And thinking about it in those terms may help with our decision making about what to let go of and how to make our home more conducive to that love and connection and less of a display location. She says, letting go may be hard, but please consider that holding on is harder. You have to hold on every day and not just to the stuff. You hold on to fear of not having enough, that's me, the stress of taking care of everything, and the guilt of spending too much or keeping things you don't use. So those, she's saying, that's much harder than simply letting go. That's, letting go is a one-time thing. And uh, holding on costs so much more. She says, you are so much more than what you own or don't own. If you want a joyful life that is full of love and happiness, align your actions with your heart. And finally, in this section, this was the other thing that really stuck with me. Uh, she talked about, you know, families having to sort through cupboards and closets and rooms full of stuff when a loved one passes on. She says, I don't want my legacy to be storage containers of stuff. When I go, I want to be remembered for how I loved while I was here. And I couldn't say it better myself. That, that really resonated with me. And it really was part of the impetus for me to start my own program of just paring down and getting rid of things. And it's a long process, but I'm in the middle of it. Okay, so then she she gets into a section where she talks about the busyness epidemic and and she has a chapter, I think it's a chapter is called The Busy Boycott. And she talks about the impact of having our schedules full just as clutter in our homes has its impacts, clutter in our schedule and in our minds has its impact. She says when we focus more on fitting it all in, instead of making time for what counts, we lose sight of how to create a meaningful life. 
And that this epidemic of being busy all the time is really driven by, uh, well, you know, so many different things. But for a lot of us, it's just that's where we find our worth is how much stuff we've done. And she talks about that as well. And she says, if our to-do lists don't have enough check marks and inbox zero is still miles away, we feel like we didn't contribute enough and therefore we aren't good enough. She goes on to say, I have to remind myself that no one cares about what's on my to-do list or how busy I am or even how much I got done yesterday. What I do is not who I am. That really kind of gave me a chill when I read it because that's something I've said. I remember saying it uh, in the past on this podcast. What you do is not who you are. And we need to remember that. She says, uh, for instance, with our family, we do and do and do for our family. But she says the very best way to serve your family is to show up and be present. Be there. Eliminate the distractions that prevent you from seeing, hearing, and appreciating the people you love. And she said, everything changed when I realized I had a choice in how I spent my time. And perhaps being lost in busyness wasn't the best use of it. And she talks about, she has a 21 day challenge that I encourage you to check out in the book for just sort of de-busy, decluttering your schedule and, and getting rid of the busy. And she talks about slowing down the clock by moving through the day with more attention and intention. And I love that. She gives some real advice about how, you know, we always have so much on our plate, so much, so much going on, too much. And uh, she says, when your plate is full, you have three choices. And here are the three choices she talks about. You can worry about everything on your plate and complain about how crazy busy you are and keep piling on more and more until you burn out, break down, or some like somehow finally get through it all and then burn out and break down. Or number two, remove something from your plate to make room for something that matters more. We can do that. That is a choice we have. Or number three, recognize your plate is full and say no to everything else so you can enjoy and engage in what is right in front of you. So those are our choices. Just worry about it and just keep piling it on till you, till you flame out. Remove something to make room for something that's more important or just start saying no. She, she finishes that section, that little section of the book saying real connection doesn't come from comparing our lists or our plates. It comes from sharing our hearts. Instead of measuring ourselves by what we get done, let's measure by how we treat people and how we engage in our work. Let's measure more by what's in our hearts and less by what's on our lists. And again, Amen, Courtney. That was just so, it's one of those things that I copy out on a card and stick where I can see it and think about it. She has a whole little section on saying no, and I'm realizing how long this episode is getting. So uh, there's just so much good in this book. Uh, In case you can't tell, I really think it's a valuable book and everybody should read it. Uh, In her section on saying no, she says, saying no is one of the most practical things we can do to create more time to engage in what matters most. And saying no allows us to take better care of ourselves. Uh, And she emphasizes that point. She says it takes time to take care of our bodies, brains, hearts, and souls. And if we don't take that time, we can't take care of anyone else, at least not very well and not for very long. Continuing to serve everyone but ourselves will drain us and there will be consequences. Uh, Then she says, if you want free time, real free time, or if you crave eight whole hours of sleep, a proper lunch break, or at least 24 hours away from your email, you're going to have to say no. And she offers some really good practical tips on how to say no. I really appreciated that section because it's something a lot of us struggle with. And she encourages us that when we create boundaries around the things that are distracting us from what really matters, our level of engagement in the things we actually care about becomes boundless. And so in this whole section, um, you know, about the busy, busy boycott, she asked some really important questions for us to ask ourselves uh, to in evaluating opportunities and tasks and commitments for making time in our life. 
questions like, why am I so busy? Why is it important for you to be and appear busy? Why, why are you so busy? And number two, as, as an opportunity or a task or something comes up, is this important to me? Uh, another question is what happens if this never gets done? And ultimately, the question I think we all need to be asking ourselves is this one that she asks, how do I want to spend my precious time? We all have a finite amount of time. How do we want to be spending it? And what can we do to be more intentional about making sure we're spending our time and our energy and our attention on the things that matter most? She has a ton of stuff to say about taking care of yourself. She says, to serve, you need something to offer. And if you're depleted, overwhelmed, and under-inspired, your offering may be diluted or misleading. If you want to give your best, become your best. And she has this whole section on creating a morning routine that I thought was wonderful. Um, She talks about habit stacking, She talks about how spending time first thing in each day on a meaningful morning routine will help you make more time throughout the day. And she says, it sounds counterintuitive, but it works. And I have really found that to be true, that when I follow my little morning routine, it really does seem to make the day go better. It, it, I, I'm not sure. It just makes the, the things, I guess it changes my mindset so that things can go better for me. And she she points out that your goal is not to be the best morning routine maker ever, but instead to engage in activities that fuel you and to notice boosts in health, happiness, kindness, and inspiration. So it's, it's you know, create a routine that works for you. She has a lot of things to say in there. Um, I, I thought about, you know, I've heard from a lot of you that say, I would love to have this l- nice morning routine, but I've got small kids, I have to be at work early, whatever the thing is. And I I thought about that a lot. And I thought, you know, if your mornings are too full for that sort of luxurious full morning routine that we all read about, you can still do some small things that will make a difference and help you get the day off to a good start. You can take just one minute, just 60 seconds with your eyes closed, take some deep breaths, counting, counting your breath. So Count to four as you breathe in, count to eight as you breathe out and do that just for, just for 60 seconds. You can do that and, and then visualize the day you want to have, how you want to feel during the day. You can shower mindfully instead of rushing through your shower, thinking about your to-do list, give yourself permission to be present in the shower, focus on the sensations of the water and the soap and, and just be in that moment. Maybe read one or two affirmations that are meaningful you, to you. You could post them by your mirror in your bathroom and look at them and, and read them aloud while you're getting ready. Take a minute or two to set your intentions for the day. Uh, I also encourage you to think about what you listen to in the morning. Maybe you can't spend an hour or two doing this full routine, but you can do these, you know, 60 second things that I've talked about. Also think about the environment that you create in the morning, what you're listening to. And maybe instead of listening to the news or cartoons in the morning while you're getting ready, listening to something uplifting, uh, an inspirational audio book or a podcast, or if you have kids, Uh, and there's noise, so you can't really listen to something, maybe just some soothing or uplifting music, or maybe like Tyree, uh, our guest on episode 178, have nothing playing, no, nothing during, just be present in the space while you're getting yourself ready without occupying your mind with other sounds, something to consider that you could create your little morning routine with the small bits of time that you have. I guess I want to start to wrap things up. The overall message of this book, and I don't want to oversimplify it, but she really makes the point that simplifying isn't just about decluttering your space and your calendar and your mind. Um, She says, and I'm quoting here, simplicity will transform your closet, your kitchen cabinets, and all of the spaces in your life. But all the while it will work on your heart too. Once all of the things that are weighing you down and holding you back are gone, all that's left is love. And and for her, she says, the changes started on the outside while the real work was happening on the inside. 
With each thing, obligation, or assumption I let go of, I remembered who I was. Forgetting who you are and living outside of your heart is painful. Do whatever it takes to come back and be more you. Give yourself all the space, time, and love you need to remember who you are. I just think that's so good. I, I want to I say that again. Forgetting who you are and living outside of your heart is painful. Do whatever it takes to come back and be more you. Give yourself all the space, time, and love you need to remember who you are. Um, oh, she has a, a chapter about your heart's mission statement. That that, that alone is worth the, the book. I, I encourage you to check that out. And I guess the last section of this that I thought was so good about all of this, whether it's the, the stuff, the possessions, the commitments, the tasks, all of that. She says, when we let go of the stuff that binds us, we will be free. If we keep shedding layers of the meaningless stuff and other things that keep us in the dark, we will reveal our souls to ourselves and others. Keep letting go and let that light shine through. So a couple of quick final thoughts from, from Soulful Simplicity. First of all is, she says, a simple life is not the end goal. And this is kind of toward the end of the book. She says, a soulful simplicity is not about living with the least amount of stuff, meditating the longest, or being in a competition in any sense of the imagination. With all of the focus on minimalism, simplicity, decluttering, and capsule wardrobes, it's easy to believe that a simple life is the dream. But a simple life is not the end goal. We don't remove the clutter, reduce the stress, and boycott busyness to have a simple life. We do it to have a life. And the final thought I would say um, that she she says in 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 such a an eloquent way what I try to remind all of us all the time to give ourselves grace and get out of our own way, and and. I want to leave you with this last quote from the book because I just, this was so impactful to me. She says, we can look back at past relationships with people, money, stuff, and time with guilt, blame, and regret. But to what end? How can we love ourselves for who we are when we hate ourselves for what we did? And if we don't love who we are, how does that help us love the amazing people in our lives today? How will it help us treat the precious time we have now with more purpose and intention? Before we can fix a problem, we have to see it. Once we see it, we have a choice. We can become embroiled in guilt and perpetuate the mess and the pain, or we can say, this happened and now I'm going to change. That doesn't mean we fix the past, but we find hope and healing today and tomorrow through change and growth. If the guilt and regret of past messes are standing between you and change, let it go. Do whatever it takes to let it go. Release the pain by writing it down, by apologizing to people you hurt, or by sending those apologies to the heavens, universe, or the sky. And then forgive yourself. Forgiveness starts with you and is often step one in letting go of the emo emotional clutter you've been carrying. Start over knowing you and the people around you deserve better. Replace your guilt with gratitude. I, I just think that's such an important message. And that, that all by itself makes me want to encourage you to get a copy of Soulful Simplicity. So, but what do you think? I mean, have you read Soulful Simplicity? It just came out, I think, in late December. If you've read it, what spoke to you most strongly from it? What uh, what questions or thoughts or comments do you have from hearing the things that I've talked about in this episode? I'd love to hear from you and have a conversation about this wonderful book. You can share your questions, your thoughts in the comments section of the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 182 or post a comment or question in the uh, Productive Woman Community Facebook group if you're a member there. 
As always, if you want to share your thoughts with me privately, you're welcome to email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com, and I'd love to hear from you. Oh, let's see, what else? Just a reminder that if you're interested in being part of a small group of motivated women who will hold you accountable and give you their ideas and support and encouragement as you pursue your goals, whether it's decluttering or whatever else, uh, I invite you to consider joining us in a Productive Woman Mastermind starting in April. You can uh, get more information and the link to the application at theproductivewoman.com slash mastermind. I want to say thank you to our sponsor, FreshBooks. That's that online accounting software that I personally use to manage my business finances. They're offering you as a Productive Woman listener a free 30-day all-access trial so you can try all its features and find out just how great it is. It's easy to use, but it's also packed full of powerful features that let you manage your business finances efficiently and effectively, whether it's invoicing, tracking expenses and payments, tracking your time. You can do it all from your computer or on the go from your smartphone. It's just a great tool for managing your business finances. And I, I really couldn't, uh, couldn't do it without it. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to the Productive Woman listeners. To claim it, you just go to freshbooks.com slash woman and be sure to enter the Productive Woman in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And don't forget to visit makinglight.com to learn more about these wonderful candles and how they maybe can be part of your morning routine or your evening routine. Uh, And remember to use the promo code TPW10, that's TPW, like the productive woman, TPW and the number 10 for $10 off your first subscription. And thank you so much to FreshBooks and Making Light for supporting the productive woman. And that's it for this episode of The Productive Woman. As always, I'm so grateful to you for spending this time with me. I hope you found something in it that's helpful to you. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.